Well, so many great reasons to give thanks this morning to our great God. Uh, We have much to be thankful for. And uh, one of the reasons we can be so thankful this morning is we have his word uh, to be able to read and study and to be able to live out in our lives. I invite you to take your Bibles, turn to 2 John this morning. Now, we just wrapped up last week uh, our series in 1 John, and so we're continuing right through John's letters to 2 John this morning, and then next Sunday we'll be looking at the letter of 3 John. Uh, Let's read this together. You can follow along at your seats as I read this aloud. 2 John, just 13 verses in this letter. The elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also who know the truth, because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever, Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son in truth and love. I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves, so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting, for whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister greet you. John uh, is writing his second letter, in many ways continuing on with a lot of the instruction that he has previously already given in his first letter. Uh, This second letter is written by the Apostle John. He references himself as the elder to the elect lady and her children. Uh, The reference that John makes to himself as the elder, as well as the time period in which this letter is believed to have been written, is in the year between 90 and 95 AD. This would have been towards the end of John's life. And most would agree that John was writing this letter during his time at Ephesus. Uh, It's interesting because not only in John's initial greeting, but also in the conclusion of the letter, as he closes it out, you can see that there is really a, a sense of endearment that John has towards the recipients of this letter. I mean, this has been pretty consistent for John. If we remember the letter of 1 John and even remember the gospel of John, John had a great theme in the gospel of John as it relates to understanding who Jesus Christ is in the teaching concerning Christ, as well as in 1 John, and how that teaching and the gospel of Jesus Christ, the truth concerning Jesus, transforms us. And it should cause us, as believers in Christ, to grow in our love for one another. And our encouragement to one another and seeking to serve one another. And you see that same kind of greeting as John begins his letter and also in his concluding of the letter that there is an endearment here that John has for the ones that he's writing to. 
Now, there are a number of different opinions about who specifically John is writing this letter to. He begins by saying the elder to the elect lady and her children. The elder to the elect lady and her children. And really, there are two uh, main views about who the recipients of this letter are. Uh, Some would believe that the recipients of this letter are literally a woman and her children. So a particular lady that he refers to as the elect lady and her children, uh, some of whom were walking in the truth that we'll read about in just a moment, but a literal woman that was part of whether a church uh, gathering or a house church, but she was someone that was pretty prominent that he was writing to and her children. Uh, There's a secondary viewpoint that uh, the statement to the elect lady and her children is representative of a local church and the members of that church. Um, And there are two, basically, viewpoints on that. I would lean more towards the first, because I believe that there's really contextually no reason to take what John is saying other than literally, uh, that he is literally writing to a woman and her children that he's wanting to seek to address some important matters with in regards to the church that was meeting uh, where John was sending this letter. Uh, Wherever you may land on that, and whatever conclusion you draw from that, What doesn't change is the instruction that John is giving. John is going to give some great instruction in regards to the truth that is necessary and relevant not only for a particular woman and her children that would have been part of a church, but also for any church body as followers of Christ that we need to receive, we need to hear, and we need to be uh, changed by. Uh, It's interesting as John begins this letter in the very first four verses, you're going to see a repetitive term over and over again, and that term is the truth. Truth is seen over and over and over again in verses one through four. Just listen again to the first four verses. The elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also who know the truth, because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father, Son, in truth and love. I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. John emphasizes the truth, not only in the first four verses, but I believe that emphasis on the truth is prevalent throughout the entirety of his letter, as John will make reference to the commands of God and the commands of Christ, the teachings of concerning Jesus and the obedience to those teachings, the truth, the truth, the truth is emphasized all throughout this letter. That's why I've entitled the sermon today just simply the truth. What I'd like to do this morning as we examine this book is provide really four challenges regarding the truth that I believe John emphasizes in these verses before us this morning. Uh, Again, such a valuable, I believe, emphasis that John makes because he wants the believer in Christ to be clear about the responsibility they have in Christ. And so let's begin there with verses 1 through 3 where I believe John is emphasizing the necessity to know the truth, to know the truth. Verses 1 through 3 in particular, John is really encompassing all of the instruction 
and all of the love and all of the endearment that he has for this believer and her family, or if it is a church for this church and its members, that John is writing and everything is encompassed, everything is found wrapped up in the truth. John cites the truth as the reason that he even uh, is able to write in love. Whom I love in truth, he says, and not only I, but all who know the truth because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. And he speaks about the same grace, mercy, and peace, and love that is from the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, in what? In truth and in love. There's an absolute necessity for you and I as believers in Christ, just as there was a necessity for the ones that John was writing to, to know with certainty the truth. And all that comes with that, all that follows with knowing the truth. Now, let's be honest that not only in John's day, and you'll see this theme through 2 John as you've also saw in 1 John, John was reminding the believer here that we'll see in just a bit that there were many who were exchanging the truth for a lie. John's going to reference the antichrists or the false teachers that are prevalent among them even then. And if we are really sober about thinking about this in the present day and age in which we live, there are many individuals who are seeking to exchange the truth for a lie. And if you've ever tried to find the truth out about something and it took time to research it, it took time, right? And, and maybe you hear conflicting stories and maybe you're trying to find out what is true and what is false concerning whatever may be that you're trying to research. There's a lot of that going on today on a lot of different matters and everybody has opinions and everybody is giving and offering different advice and different wisdom and different information and sometimes it can be so frustrating as we think through what actually is the truth. Because truth is to be desired, truth is to be sought after, truth is to be embraced, truth is something that we want to know with certainty, what is the truth? Because when we know it, it should affect us, it should cause us to respond in a particular manner when with certainty we know the truth. Now if you've ever tried to seek truth out from a group of people and you ask everybody what's the truth concerning something and everybody has differing opinions. Well, I think, and I think, and I think there's something about a first-hand account that holds more weight than those that don't have that first-hand account. Someone who can say, I know the truth because I was there, I saw, I touched, I handled, I perceived with my own eyes what happened here. And that is what John references in his letter of 1 John, and I believe carries right over to the letter of 2 John, is what John is providing in regards to the truth concerning Jesus Christ is that which he has seen and handled and knows to be true. It was that which the apostles would be willing to die for because with great certainty they knew the truth. And I trust this morning as a believer in Jesus Christ you are not satisfied with simply being in the know concerning Christ, but to know with certainty Christ. And there's two dramatically different responses. Two dramatically different responses when we think we know the truth 
as opposed to with certainty when we know the truth. Our very lives, our love, our knowledge, our security, our certainty must be based upon the truth. And therefore, the actions that follow must also be based upon the truth. And so John is beginning this letter and writing to clearly a, a, a recipient that he loves and the children that he loves in truth through the truth that is in Jesus Christ and reminding them of the grace, mercy, and peace that is theirs because of the truth that is found in Jesus Christ as well. Know the truth. If I could encourage you this morning as a believer in Jesus Christ, I would encourage you to know with certainty the truth concerning Jesus. There's only way we find out and know with certainty more and more the truth is as we dive into, dissect, and digest the word of God in our hearts and in our minds. And so know the truth. I believe John, secondly, will go on to encourage these believers to walk in the truth. To walk in the truth. Look at verses 4 through 6. He says, I rejoiced greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth just as we were commanded by the Father. Walk in the truth. John is emphasizing a a rejoicing, and he says, I rejoiced greatly. There was just exceedingly great joy on John's part and John's heart and John's mind when he heard and saw that some of these children were walking in the truth. Listen, if you're a parent, you know it to be true that there's no greater joy than to see your children walking in the truth. To see that your children love and follow Jesus Christ and, and, and are walking in a manner that is pleasing to him. There's just such great joy in that. Uh, just a couple nights ago when we were praying as a family at night, my wife and I will sometimes do this when we pray. And the girls will pray. And when one of the girls is praying and they're praying something and they're just pouring their heart out to God, we kind of do the one eye open thing and look at each other like, did you hear what she said? <laughs> like like we're, we kind of like eye each other in that. And it's just such a blessing when we hear our children praying, right, and and acknowledging Christ and and pouring their heart out to him, there's great joy that comes with that. Maybe you're not a parent, but maybe you have invested spiritually into someone's life and you've shared the gospel with them and they've come to know Christ and you have had the privilege of observing their growth in Jesus Christ, their walk in Christ that is increasing and that is growing in him. And you've had opportunity to observe that. You've had opportunity to, to take that in. And what fills your heart and your mind as you watch a brother or sister in Christ whom you've invested into, when you see them growing and following Jesus, isn't that just a sense of great joy that fills our heart and fills our mind as we see the transformation that takes place in the life of someone who knows Christ and follows after him. So we can begin to to understand John's statement when John says, I rejoiced greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth just as we were commanded by the Father. And don't miss what John is doing here. He's rejoicing greatly in those that are walking in the truth. And then he circles back to say, listen, That's what all of us have been commanded by the Father to do. You see what he says? I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. For every single one of us today as a child of God that knows Christ as Savior, we must know the truth with certainty, but we also must be walking in the truth. The command that God has given to every believer, to every child of God, is to walk 
in the manner in which Christ walked. We must walk in the truth. And listen, sometimes it might feel like you're walking that walk alone. But you are not alone in that walk. Because he is with us. And sometimes that walk is hard. And sometimes that walk is difficult. And sometimes that walk is not desirable. And yet John reiterates that he's rejoiced greatly in the obedience and walking in the truth of these children. But oh, by the way, that's what every child of God has been called to in Jesus Christ. To obey his commands. To walk in the manner that God wants us to. Look at verse 5. Now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing a new commandment to you, but the one we've had from the beginning, love one another. This is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. You see what John's doing here? He's doing something very similar to what he did in his first letter. John's emphasizing, again, the rejoicing greatly at the obedience of these children following the Lord. But he's also reminding them, again, that that's the responsibility of every believer to walk in the truth. And then he, he helps to, like, further define that and tell them what that means. And he says, you know what that is? This is his command, that we love one another. That we're to be walking in love for one another, similar to what he said in his first letter. And also what he said in the Gospel of John, right? But he doesn't stop there and just say that we love one another, but he also goes on to say, listen, all of the things that you know to be true, that you've heard, this is nothing new. You've known this from the beginning. We're to keep and follow his commands and we're to walk in them. He says, just as you've heard from the beginning that you should walk in it. Walk in love for one another. Walk in obedience to the commands that God has given, walk in a manner that shows forth that we are followers of Jesus Christ. Walk in the truth. It's interesting in verse 5 when he says, I ask you, dear lady, some translations translate that phrase, I ask you, and they put in the word plead. I plead with you. There's a longing and a desiring on John's part. You can sense from his heart. This is an aching from John's heart heart that the believer in Christ would walk in the truth and that which they know about Jesus Christ and concerning Christ that they would walk in a manner of obedience to God so I wonder this morning do you and I as believers in Christ recognize the great difference there is between simply saying we know the truth and with certainty knowing the truth and then following up by walking in the truth. You see, the word that's used for walk there when it says walk in the truth is a, is a term that would hold with it a manner of life or a lifestyle, a way of living. So when we use that phrase or see that phrase in scripture where it says walk in, walk in, walk in, it's your way of living, it's your participation, it's your activity, it's your very life that you are living and walking in the truth. And every believer has that responsibility. So I wonder, are we walking in the truth? Jesus himself said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Follow me, he would say. If anyone would follow after me, he must take up his cross, deny himself, and follow me. There's a consistent calling. There's a consistent calling in the life of every believer to walk in the truth. And John emphasizes that yet again. It shows forth that we belong to Christ It shows forth that we love him 
it shows forth that with certainty we know the truth and that we're living the truth out in our lives. Now, John goes a little bit further here, verses 7 and 8, where this can become a little bit difficult. And it's the third point I believe that we see here is that we are to persevere in the truth. Persevere in the truth. Look at verses 7 and 8. After saying all of these things that they already knew, the commands that they know, and walking in the truth and keeping God's commands, knowing with certainty the truth, he says this, verse 7, For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. I believe John puts an emphasis here in verses 7 and 8 in particular on the necessity of persevering in the truth. That word perseverance, that word that I'm using perseverance, the reason I'm using that is because it holds with it a sense of, a sense of resolve, that no matter how bad or hard or lonely things get, we persevere in our obedience to Jesus Christ. And I think it's important for us to understand something, that if we truly know the truth with certainty, if we know the truth with certainty concerning Jesus Christ, truth is truth no matter the circumstances that try to surround it. Truth is truth. The gospel of Jesus Christ and the message of the gospel and all that we know to be true concerning Christ remains true whether culture accepts that truth or not. The truth concerning Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ and the responsibility in calling on the life of the believer remains true and certain whether society believes that or not. It does not matter whether uh, society culture, government, neighbors, family, or friends want to believe the truth concerning Christ, the truth concerning Christ remains truth. And the calling on you and I as believers in Christ is no matter where culture stands or no matter where government stands, no matter where our family or friends stand or our bosses stand or our neighbors stand, we must persevere in our stance in the truth. And obedience to the truth. And sometimes that will be hard. And sometimes that will mean it will cost us. And yet God has called us to perseverance in the truth. And believers around the world understand this and recognize this and know this. And believers in America, I believe, are going to start to see this more and more. That in the face of persecution and hardship... In the face of all kinds of attack, the believer in Christ must be resolved to persevere in the truth of Jesus Christ. That's what God has called us to. He has called us to know with certainty the truth. When we know with certainty the truth and what we believe, we will walk in that truth. And when we walk in that truth and we know with certainty the truth that we believe in, we will then persevere in that truth no matter what may come. And that's when we see the authenticity of our relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, it's natural as believers sometimes when things are hard or when things get difficult to wonder, does God really know? Does God really care? Does God really see? And yet we have the truth to fall back on again and again that is unchanging in God's word. We have the truth in Jesus Christ that is unchanging. And so again, no matter the circumstances that surround us, 
no matter the cultural changes that surround us, no matter the governmental changes that surround us, no matter the changes that happen in the society and world in which we live, the truth remains the truth. And the believer is called to persevere in that. I think about the words that Jesus spoke to Peter. When Jesus would tell Peter, Peter, the devil desires to destroy you. And he said that Satan wants to sift you as wheat. Peter, the devil wants to destroy you, but I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And Jesus tells Peter that. And I I so much relate to a lot of the times when Peter like basically says out loud what he's thinking that most people would be like, I can't ever say that. <laughs> like, like Peter kind of like lets us in on like what he was thinking and he just kind of blurts it out there. And so here's Jesus, the son of God, who has already demonstrated who he is and his deity and his greatness and knowing all things, tells Peter, Peter, the devil wants to destroy you, but I prayed for you that your faith won't fail. So Peter like sees John sitting over there and I think he does what like any of us would do. He's like, well, Man, that doesn't sound great for me, but what about him? What's going to happen to him? Like, that's what he asks. What about him? What's, what's going to happen to him? And, and Jesus looked at Peter, and you know what he said to Peter? He said, Peter, what is it to you that if he remains until I come back? In other words, what if he doesn't even die until I return? What's that matter? And you know what he said to Peter? Three words that I believe Peter heard and that were seen as prevalent in Peter's life as he would follow Christ and make a huge impact for Christ. Jesus would look at Peter and say, you follow me. You follow me. No matter what anybody else is doing, no matter what anybody else may be facing, no matter what persecution or suffering comes your way, you follow me. And as a believer in Jesus Christ, I believe that is so relevant and important for us to understand that God's calling on our life, the calling that God has on your life and my life as a follower of Jesus Christ, is the same calling that Jesus would give to Peter. You follow me. There's a perseverance in the truth in that. We persevere as followers of Jesus Christ. We have the attitude that Paul the Apostle had that to live is Christ, but to die is gain. To die is gain. Persevere in the truth. I believe John's emphasizing that here in verses 7 and 8. He's reminding them that there are deceivers in the world. There are false teachers in the world. There are teachings that are going to be so prevalent, so acceptable, so palatable for, for the culture that you're going to find yourself living in that so many are going to embrace it and they're going to hold on to it and they're going to grip so closely to it, so tightly to it as though this is the truth. But we know the truth and we need to persevere in it. I believe he finally goes on to speak to them about protecting the truth. Protecting the truth, verses 9 through 11. He says, everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Think of that. Anyone who does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. 
There are some that would believe that John is warning this elect lady, this woman and her children, this woman who was known for her hospitality and for her care and for her love, and that John is warning her that as one that is doing hospitality and, and is doing this well, that she needs to be careful in her hospitality not to welcome into the church false teachers who were spreading false doctrine. That there needs to be a protecting of the truth. That there needs to be an acknowledgement and understanding of the truth. That there to be walking in it, persevering in it, but also protecting the truth. Calling out and recognize the falsehoods that are so prevalently taught and embraced and accepted in the world and society in which we live. And John lays out very clearly here the same truths that he laid out very clearly in the first letter of John when John says here that anyone who does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Anyone who is bringing any other teaching than the teaching that has been seen from both the Father and the Son is bringing teaching that must not be received and that must be rejected. And as we said before, we'll say again as John does, that any teaching that is contrary to the teaching of Christ as Savior, any teaching that does not include and recognize in confession that Christ is Savior, that he's the Son of God, that he alone is the way to the Father, is teaching that must be rejected and teaching that should not be embraced. There's a protecting of the truth here. John is making something abundantly clear to the believers in Christ that they must know the truth. It informs all that we do. As a believer in Christ, the truth of the word of God and the truth that we know concerning Christ and all that is true concerning him should inform every area of our lives because it should transform us. And so often as believers, we are so good at compartmentalizing what we want the truth to affect and what we don't want the truth to affect. And friends, when we begin to care more about the opinions of men than the truth of God, we are in error. When we begin to, to, to care more about the acceptance on the part of man than the recognition of acceptance on the part of Christ, then we are in error. And John is saying, you must know the truth with certainty. And only when you know the truth with certainty will you begin to walk in that truth. And that walk in the truth must be a walk of perseverance. That even in the hardest of times, even when it feels like you're walking all alone, you are not alone. And you must persevere. And you must protect it. Protect the truth of the gospel. Protect it from error. And that's why we have said from this pulpit many times, if you hear any pastor, any person preaching from this pulpit that is preaching something that is contrary to the word of God and the message of the gospel then we need to be called out on that. Because our faithfulness must be to the word of God and no one has a greater authority than God. And we would say that not only true in this church, but that should be the litmus test for anyone that you're learning and growing under as a teacher or preacher of the word of God. If anyone is teaching or preaching something contrary to what the gospel teaches, it should be rejected. And we have a responsibility as believers in Christ to protect the truth, to persevere in it, to know it, to walk in it. Such vitally important truths that John is delivering here and that John is challenging them with. See, I see a lot of similarities when we look at the letter of 1 John and the letter of 2 John. A lot of similarities between the teachings 
and the struggles that were so prevalent in the early church, in the establishing of the early church and in early Christendom, as there are in the world in which we find ourselves living even today. There are those then that were in opposition to the name of Christ, and there are those today that are in opposition to the name of Christ. There were those then that wanted to preach another gospel, another means of salvation, another doctrine of salvation. And we don't have to look around too hard to find that that's teaching that's prevalent even today and even amongst people who call themselves Christians. There were those then that were wanting to add to or take away from the clear commands of the word of God and the instruction and teaching that was coming from Christ. And there are those today that would desire to do the same thing. There were those then that were willfully embracing a lie, and there are those today that are willfully embracing a lie. But the absolute consistency then and now is that the message of the gospel remains the power of God and salvation. The absolute consistency is that God's word remains eternal truth. The absolute consistency is that the power of God is greater than any other power. And the absolute consistency is those that follow Christ and claim the name of Christ would be those that are obedient to the commands of Christ, that are abiding in Christ, and that are showing forth that Christ has transformed their lives. This is the truth. This is the truth. John's instruction to the believer, whom he loved, who he cared deeply for, who he longed for, and desired to see following Christ obediently was to know the truth, walk in the truth, persevere in the truth, and protect the truth. Might we do the same? Might we do the same as followers of Jesus, whatever may come, to the glory of God? Let's pray together. Father, we are thankful for your word, and we're thankful for the truth. Lord, the truth concerning Jesus Christ, the truth has transformed our lives. We thank you for that. Lord, my prayer is that you would help each one of us that call ourselves Christians, each one of us that say that we follow Christ, that we would do the hard work, Lord, of examining and knowing your word with certainty that we would walk in the truth, that we would persevere in the truth, however hard it may be, and that we would defend the truth, that we would protect the truth, because our desire is to glorify you. I pray for some in this room, Lord, that may not know Christ as Savior, that today you would open their eyes to the truth, that they might call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. I pray for every believer in this room who knows Christ, that with great boldness, in wisdom, with strong resolve and perseverance, we would be set to walk and obey the truth, whatever may come. Help us, Lord, to glorify you in all that we do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.